Hey, welcome. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, welcome. What a great Sunday to be here. Uh, you already got a picture, a little bit of a picture of the worship ministry that happens right here at Victory Church from worship to, as Pastor Brian said, we are moving in the direction of writing our own music and producing our own CDs and things like that. And it's such a blessing to be a part of a ministry that has so many opportunities for you to operate in your purpose. And uh, our third value, give out of your purpose for our church, is that. It's, it's you finding the place here at Victory where you take what God's naturally put inside of you, and not only are you using it out in the secular world to impact lives, but you're using it to impact the kingdom of God. And so if you're in here today and you have a talent in, in music or, or voice or, or whatever the other terms are for uh, the arts, uh, we would love for you to be able to go through Grow Track, learn more about the church, and join the team and use those gifts to glorify God and to impact the city of Smyrna. Amen? Amen. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? All right. So check this out. We are bringing to close a series called Dream Again. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter 47. I will hop back and forth through a couple different chapters today as we bring it to a close, but there is a particular verse in 47 that really kind of birthed this sermon uh, in the, the, the direction that we're going today. Um, if you are visiting with us today, let me kind of update you. So, so weeks ago, we came to the conclusion that God has given us all a dream. So, so God has put a dream in our heart, and it's a dream that ultimately impacts the kingdom of God. It's a desire that he gave us to, to kind of put us into motion to serve and live our life for him, but it's also deep down in it got a desire that we naturally want for our lives. And so God planted that in our hearts, and, and then a lot of us, we have the dream, right? There's a moment where we see the dream. But we're not quite confident how to seize the dream. And so we kind of have a path of like, all right, I got the dream, and, and, and I saw it, or I see it, or I heard it, but, but how do I attain it? And so what we've been doing is we've picked apart the life of Joseph and just seen what he did from seeing the dream to seizing the dream. And I thought, in case you are visiting for the first time, I thought I'd do a real quick uh, recap of what we learned just kind of through the process. So in week one, we learned about this. You need to become aware of our dream, the provider of our dream, the purpose of our dream, and then decide to pursue it. So, so we need to become aware of it, right? Who, who provided it, what the purpose of it was, and then we need to pursue it. And we kind of ended it with this tagline, if you'll follow God, your dream will follow you. And so it kind of removes the pressure of what's my dream, what's my dream? In week two, we learned that we need to expect to encounter opposition. You can go ahead and put that up on the screen behind me. We need to expect to encounter opposition regarding our dreams. And we call them dream killers. You remember us talking about dream killers? And that there's always somebody or something out there trying to kill your dream. And we kind of brought to it the conclusion with this statement, whatever the enemy tries to use to block your dream, God will use to build it. In week three, we learned that there will be an importance in us surrendering to God and that our desires often get in the way of our dream. And if you were here for that week, we had an illustration where I had this coat rack, and this coat was on it, and I'll talk about it towards the end of service, but there were multiple coats that, that represented the different desires of our lives and how we had to give up those desires, that coat, to be able to get ultimately the dream God has for us, that coat. And we learned that, that, uh, that our desires will often get in the way of our dream, so do not give up our dream for our desires. That was week three, week four was expecting to endure a season of difficulty that would test our faith, that there would be a season where you and I have to wait and we have to work. 
and we're developing our dream. And we said, hey, look, during the development of our dream, let's wait on the promise of God and let's work on other people's dreams. And then if you were here last week, we brought that week to a close by saying, when you're going after your dream, be prepared to face your fear because you are going to be asked to leave your comfort zone and that there is going to be a cost for your dream. And we actually said in that message that often what God asks for is what's most precious to you. And, but don't worry, it's not to scare you, but it's to let you know that whatever God asks you for, you can guarantee he'll give you back both bigger and better. And so you can see that through the life of Joseph. You can see how all of that happened. And now here we are in the very finale of this, and we're getting ready to put a bow on this concept and move forward into a series that I believe is going to be a great opportunity to see friends and family who would never come to church, come to church and hear the gospel and meet cool people and have their lives changed. But, but now here we are at this moment of how do, we, how do we close this out? We've been talking about our dreams for five weeks. You've had a journal and you've been writing about your dream. How, how do we close it out? And I feel like the best way to close it out is to talk about this topic, and that's the interpretation of your dream. As we get ready to bring it to a close, it's important that you interpret your dream correctly. Joseph was 17 when he had his dream, and he's 38 when the dream materializes. And throughout that life, I feel like there's two questions that kind of rise up when you study the life of Joseph. And these two questions, when you ask them appropriately, they, they specifically are asked to your interpretation of your dream. And here we go. The first question is this. What if there is more to your dream? You've got this dream, but what if there's more to it than you perceive? In Genesis chapter 40, I was reading again all the way through Joseph again this week, and a couple of scriptures really popped out to me that I didn't pay much attention to leading up to this. And so here in, in Genesis chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, it's on the screen, stay in 47. But let me give you a real quick uh, update of where we are. Joseph is in prison, and there are two people assigned to him in prison, and they both have dreams. And it becomes Joseph's responsibility to interpret their dream. And this is kind of the process that kicks off, that eventually leads him to get in front of the king of Egypt, interpret his dream, and get into being the prime minister. But I want to just show you a particular line in these few verses. It says, when Joseph came to them the next morning, so he goes up to the two guys who are in prison, he saw that they were dejected. And we said that week when we talked about this, obviously they're dejected, they're in prison. So he asked the Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do these guys look so sad? And this was the point we made in that sermon. We both had dreams, they answered. And we said the reason why they're so sad is because they're in prison, but with a vision, right? And that, that's what we talked about. And so I, these, these two verses we didn't really spend a lot of time on, but I want to bring to your attention today. Uh, they answered, we both had dreams, but watch this. But there is no one to interpret them. We don't have anybody to tell us what our dream is is and what our dream means. We could interpret it, but if we interpret our dream, we're probably not going to do it the best service. We could ask other people to interpret our dream, but we probably shouldn't do that. We're looking for somebody and someone who's bigger and better, whose thoughts are higher than our ways, whose ways are higher than our ways, to interpret the dream we have, and we don't have anybody. And watch what Joseph says, and I thought this is so ironic. He says, do not interpretations belong to God? Say, so why is that a big deal? Because in chapter 37, when you and I watched him uh, speak his dream, he doesn't speak at all about God interpreting it, right? There's never a moment in 37 where he's like, brothers, dad, mom, I had, this, I had this dream, and then let me share with you God's interpretation of it. 
there's not that moment. He just kind of moves quickly into his interpretation of it. And if it's not his interpretation, it's his brother's and his father's interpretation. Oh, so are we just going to worship you? Oh, is me, are me and your mom just going to bow down to you? And they move into an interpretation that wasn't God's interpretation of the dream. So I think it's funny that three chapters later, Joseph is going, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you ask me to interpret anything, before you even tell me your dream, because if you tell me your dream, my mind will start to kind of go where I go. So before you speak it, hold on, just know, God interprets dreams, not me. So I'll give you the interpretation, but I'm going to pray and it's going to be God-led. And here's why I think that shifted in Joseph. Because I think after those three chapters and however many years he was in prison, or not in prison, but in, in, in slavery with Potiphar, and then, I think he got to a place, listen to me, where he said, when it comes to my dreams, there is more than what I interpret. When it comes to the dreams that you have for your life, there is more than what you interpret from them. You see the dream. Well, what if there's more to the dream? Well, what if your dream is not the ending? What if it's the beginning? What if there's more to the story? Have you ever been in a situation where you were being told a story and you knew right off the bat, there, there's more to this story than I'm being told? How many of you have kids under the age of 10? How many of you have kids under the age of 10? Welcome to our lives together. Can you, everybody who raised your hand, who didn't raise your hand, will you pray for us specifically? Please, we need Jesus. And here's why. Because if you have a kid under 10, and honestly, it's probably the same with teenagers. I don't have one yet, so I don't know. It may even get worse. But I have learned that when you have kids, there's always more to the story, right? It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what they tell you. You can, you can guarantee right off the bat that whatever they're telling you, there's more to the story. You know, one runs in, right? And there's always like this real excitement. They run in, mom, dad, I got to tell you this. Uh, so here's what happened. Uh, Casey Ray bit my finger. And I'm like, there's more to that story, right? You know what I mean? Like, like well, I did have my hand over her mouth. But, you know, that, I mean, that doesn't matter. Like, she, like, literally, this happened one time. I was talking and Vader ran in, or I was at home and Vader ran into the house or into my room. And she said, dad, Casey Ray bit my foot. And she was angry, and she wanted me to be angry at, at Casey Ray. And I couldn't help but think to myself, there's got to be more to this story, right? Because, my, you know, people's feet are not normally near other people's mouths. You know what I mean? Unless you're married, and we're not in that series, okay? And so, um, you know, it's just one of the... <laughs> We'll do one of those in February, don't worry. And so, uh, and so I was just kind of like figuring this out, and I'm like, okay. So I said, Veda, just, just walk me through the whole story. And she's like, no, but she bit my, I was like, I don't need that scene. I want the whole story, right? Give me the, don't, don't just give me that scene where she bit your foot. Give me the whole story. Well, as the whole story played out, guess what? Veda thought it'd be funny to be rubbing her foot all on Casey Ray's face while they were sitting on the couch, so that toe was right there, and all Casey Ray had to do was go, and it was done, right? Is There it is. And I just think often it's the same situation with our dreams. There's more to the story. And, and, and I'm going to go so far as to say this. Our dream isn't the most important thing. Our interpretation of it is. Because sometimes the way we interpret our dream isn't really the way God meant for us to see it to begin with. But we don't move necessarily off what God says. We move off on how we interpret the dream. We get a picture, Right? So, so our dream gives us a picture. So at 17 years old, I wanted to pastor a church. And so at that point, that, that's what the picture was, me pastoring a church. There, there wasn't a lot more to it. That was just, that's the picture. 
But we understand that there's more to the story, right? Even to the point that where I would even say that when it comes to the picture that is the dream of your life, you need to understand that there might be more than what the eye can see. We currently live in a culture that is trading stories for snaps, right? Let, let me explain. If, if you're familiar with Instagram, Instagram is one of the most popular social media outlets today right now. How many of you use Instagram? How many of you are Instagram people? people? You gram, you hit the gram, right? You, you, you do that thing. Um, and so when, when Instagram started, it was a glorified photo album, okay? You just, you put all your pictures on there. People can follow you. They can see your pictures. They can see what you ate for dinner, right? They can see, you know, the date you went on or whatever it is. They can see, you know, that you're hashtag living your best life, right? and they can see it, and they can, they can like it, or they can comment on it. Well, well, not too long ago, it took me a while to figure this out because I am not a, a, a relevant person, uh, but, but a while ago, they came out with something called the story, there's a story on Instagram, right? You know, you, now, now there's a story. Y'all familiar? Are y'all in 2019? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So Instagram has a story. So what you can do, you get about 15 seconds. And so like right now, if you had a phone, you could record me talking. And it, would, it shows you like the little line as it's recording. It goes for about 15 seconds. And then once you're done, it pops up on your story. And then you can keep on filming. And it just creates, that's the whole purpose of it, is that someone cannot just see pictures of your life, but they can see a story of your life. The interesting thing for me is that majority of the people that I follow on Instagram still use the story for pictures. You know, it, they don't really do a lot of stories. It's just the same picture that they posted on Instagram, and you just have to stare at it for 15 seconds. Like, you can watch the little white bar, and you're like sitting there going like, and then this was, this was revelation for me. One time, Darla saw it, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm waiting for this picture to move on so I can see the next picture. She goes, babe, you can just swipe it over, and it's gone. I'm like, hallelujah, you know what I mean? Like, God, there is a God. Like, well, I didn't even know. How, well, how, oh, my goodness. Like, who would have known? And so I'm just learning that we have a problem in, in, in uh, separating stories from snapshots. We got a snapshot, and then, and then there's a story, and there's a difference in a story and a snapshot. And if we're not careful, we will judge our dream off of a snapshot. And the problem is our dream is not a scene, it's a story. And you have to be real careful. You have to be real careful not, not, to, not to define that dream off of one scene, but to understand that it's a story. And what happens to a lot of people is they pick one scene in the dream, and now that's the dream. And so anything that doesn't flow with the dream, because they don't understand that the dream is not a scene, it's a story. And they start to judge their dream based off of a scene. Victory Church was my dream. And as the story is going now, we're, we're coming up on two years here in about four or five months, the, the dream has been very good. But if you were to judge our dream off of certain scenes, it wouldn't be as good. <laughs> I mean, like, some of y'all don't know this, but when, before we started the church, we had interest parties. And so what we would do is we would rent a building, and then we would, put, we would go tell all of our friends, or who, we, I didn't have any friends at the time, so we'd go tell everybody we could tell at the gym or whatever, hey, come to our interest party. And Tatiana would cook food. It'd be a hundred pieces of food, right? And we'd all be dressed up nice, and we'd have banners up, and we'd set up, and we'd been praying, and we'd be worshiping, and we'd be meeting, we'd be ready, and we would invite all of Smyrna, Tennessee. And then people would come, and we'd tell them about the church, and then people would sign up to be a part of the church, and then we would launch and God would move in Smyrna, Tennessee. That sounds great. 
one interest meeting we went to, we had rented the, the uh, Smyrna, what's that thing called? The Depot building in Smyrna, Tennessee. We had rented it. We had gone in an hour or two before and set up everything. Tatiana had made 100 pieces of food. I mean, and when she makes, this is like free advertisement for you. When she makes food, it looks like it came straight off of Gordon Ramsay's menu. You know what I'm talking about? It just looks like that. And so she made it, and we're ready, and we're all anticipating like the hundreds of people that are going to show up. And I think it started at like 6, and 6 o'clock comes, and nobody. And 6.05 comes, and nobody. And at one point, by the time we had to get started, one guy that wasn't already a part of the church was there. The reason he was there was not because we had done good, a good job at inviting people. It's because he was wandering around downtown Smyrna, okay? Literally, just like, and went, oh, I wonder what this is. And he came in, and he sat on the front row. And the rest of the team, and you can ask any of them this, the rest of them sat in the back in anticipation of people. And I got up to cast the vision for Victory Church, and there was one dude looking at me, and all he was wondering is, is the food free, right? That's all he wanted to know. And so if you were to take our church by that scene, then you would misinterpret the dream, right? But then there's another scene. It was a few weeks ago where we got the opportunity to baptize, I think it was seven kids from V Kids Elementary. It was the most phenomenal thing ever. Our incredible kids director, Samantha Pitt, she baptized three or four of the, the kids. were like, I want Miss Sam to baptize me. And she's crying. I mean, ugly crying. You know, you know ugly crying. <laughs> I'm like, put the kid in the water. Let's go. You know? um, but it, you know, if, you took the, if you took the dream by that scene, then the dream's phenomenal. It's all about what scene. When it's a story, you have to be careful about what scene you focus on. Right? If you were to watch Netflix, you see the whole bar, and then you can see how you drag it across. If you were to just pick a scene and try to judge the dream. For example, if you did it last Sunday, <laughs> which y'all didn't even know, y'all sitting here like, oh, everything's good, and Jesus is on the throne. And what you didn't know, it is about 9.20, all of our media went out, like nothing was working. So our entire production team, they were running around like chickens with their head cut off, right? Pastor Brian's in the nursery doing some stuff. Andrew runs up and he goes, hey, so you want the bad news or the really bad news? You know what I mean? It was just, it was just an insane experience. But they did so good. So watch this. If you took the shot, if you took the picture at 920, then you'll misinterpret the dream. If you took a picture at 955 while you were in here worshiping and watching videos because the whole production team got it back up and going, then all of a sudden the dream makes sense. You know what I mean? Right? If, if you took a picture when the lyrics were out and Jeff was over here mouthing the words of the songs to the bands in their ears because they didn't know what the next lyrics were, that's, that will misinterpret the dream. But as they're leading you in worship and your hands are up and you're crying, it depends on what scene you pick. Because a dream is not a scene, a dream is a story. And what the enemy wants you to do is to focus on a scene and start defining your dream by a scene and it's dangerous. If we judged Joseph's dream based off of a scene, then it all matters which scene we pick because in one scene he's in prison. There's another scene he's in a cistern about to die. There's another scene where he's working for Potiphar as a slave. Which scene do you want to pick? Because if you pick one of those scenes, you will misinterpret his dream and say, God's not moving. Right? Take about Abraham, who, who his dream was to be a father of many nations. That's the dream God put in his heart. And at 70 plus years old, he didn't have a kid. 
if you take that scene from that story, we've got a problem because you're going to misinterpret the dream because you're going to say, well, I guess God's not faithful. But yes, he went on to be a father of many nations, even though he was at an age where stuff shouldn't work. You know what I mean? You got to get what I'm saying. You got to be careful what scene you pick. If you were following Jesus and you chose to just pick a scene, you might pick the scene where he was on a cross and you might pick a scene where you say, well, I guess God is not faithful, but that's the wrong scene because there's more to the story. You see what I'm saying? He came off the cross and he resurrected. So we got to understand that when it comes to a dream, it's not a scene, but it's a story. That was just my introduction, okay? Let me tell you why I'm telling you this. Because I was rereading the life of Joseph this week and I saw something that I've probably read before, but the Lord showed it to me in a totally different way. Genesis 47, it's verses 5 through 12, but I've taken some verses out to help us with time. And so you're going to see where, you know, when you read it, you might read some extra verses, but, but I want you to watch this. Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. So this was after the dream happened, right? This was after his brothers had gotten there and bowed down to him, all that. Now watch this. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Hmm. Let them live in Goshen, okay? And if you know any, if you know of any among them with special ability, then put them in charge of my own livestock. Okay. I'm going to explain to you my confusion in a minute. And then it goes on to say, Joseph also provides his father and his brothers and all of his father's household with food according to the number of their children. So Pharaoh says, hey, get your brothers and get your father and move them to the best land. Move them to Smyrna, Tennessee and get them a house on Sam Ridley Parkway, right? Some of you are like, let's do it like this. Move the church to Smyrna, Tennessee and put it on Sam Ridley Parkway. Y'all want to be out in the boondocks is where you want to be living. But he said, put them in the best part of the land and... Let them work for me. And then get them enough food that connects with the number of their children. You say, why does this matter? Here's why this mattered to me. That wasn't in the dream. When he dreamed, it was him and his brothers surrounding him, bowing down to him. There was no point in the dream where it says, oh, get up, because Pharaoh is about to give you the best of the land and all the food you can eat. And he's about to give you all the money you can handle. That wasn't in the dream. The dream Joseph saw was all about them worshiping him. This part is all about them experiencing the favor of God. So what happened? At some point, we misinterpreted the dream. And at some point, we didn't realize that there's always more to the story. Because even though that was the part one, it wasn't the final result. Even though they did have to bow around Joseph, when they got up, Joseph was going to hug them, and then Pharaoh was going to come over and say, give them all that you, all that they need. Listen, what if our dream isn't the final result? What if it's the first draft? What if the thing that you see in your mind isn't the end, but it's the beginning? What if the problems that you're dealing with, it doesn't look like my dream, because there's more to the dream. Because what you've got in your mind is not where God stops. It's just where God's starting. And so for you, this is the dream. And God's saying, you have no idea. This doesn't even compare 
to the dream. When, when I wanted to be a pastor at 17 years old, there, there was this picture, right? And it's a picture that I formed based off of people that I know and what that looks like. I had no idea that Darla and I would get the opportunity to go preach in Belize, right? And to be able to share the gospel. And that we would go like swimming with sharks and I would eat termites. It's a whole other story. And um, I would be able to hold tarantulas and snakes. I, that wasn't a part of the dream. Uh, you know, us being able to go to Jamaica and minister the gospel in Jamaica and do it, that wasn't a part of the dream. Moving to Smyrna, Tennessee wasn't a part of the dream. The dream was just this picture. I didn't know there was so much more to it. Two of our friends, Brian and Nikki, recently put a post on, on Facebook, and, and they were saying nice things about the church, and it was in response to a testimony about what had happened in their family because of God and their daughter, Kalia, and they were like, I'm so thankful for our church family. They weren't in the dream. I didn't know Brian and Nikki Hall at 17 years old. I had a picture of the dream, but I'm so thankful that God's dream for me is bigger than the picture I have. That there's always more to it. So I'm just trying to prep you now, church, that there is this, this bait in you, this dream in you that gets your feet moving and gets you moving forward. But do not begin to worship the picture that you see because there's more to the dream. There's more than what you can imagine. God has more, but you got to believe it. And that's what led me to my next question. If there's more to the dream, then what if the dream is a distraction? Joseph gets this picture. My sheave of grain, standing up. Your sheaves of grain, we're bowing down. And he gets this picture, and watch this. The picture becomes an idea. Isn't this what we do? We get this picture. Oh, it would be. And then the picture becomes an idea. And eventually, watch this, the idea will become an idol. So he said, I got this picture, man. And my sheaf of grain was standing and these other sheaves of grain. That was the picture. The idea was when his brother said, wait a minute, do you mean that we're going to bow down and worship you? And then the idol was when they begin to try to kill him because of the process. The idea starts as a picture, and it moves all the way to an idol. And watch this. Once the idea becomes an idol, everything that's not the idea becomes unimportant. I'm going to break that up in a minute. We get this idea. I was talking to a guy one time. He really, really wanted to pastor a church. That's what he wanted. He just wanted, he just wanted to pastor a church. And he's really young. And the more and more I talk to him, the more, and more I realize he's got this idea in his heart. And the idea has become an idol to the point to where everything that's not that lacks importance. And eventually, watch this, eventually Jesus will just become a way of accomplishing our dream instead of being the purpose behind it. This is my idea. This is what I want to do. If I need money, I'll do it. If I need God, I'll get him. Whatever I need to be able to get my idea, because this is my idea. Yeah, the problem is the picture you had was just the first draft. And you developed your idea of your dream off of something that God gave you in the beginning just to get your engine running. And God was saying, follow me and trust me, because there's more that if I showed you now, it would cripple you. Because there's pressure coming your way that you can't hold up right now. But in three years, you'll be prepped for it. And you'll be ready for it. And if you keep demanding it happen now, it'll crush you because you're not ready. And I kept thinking about this all week, this idea becoming my idol. And all of a sudden, God gave me the most sweetest, just real example I could ever ask for. 
and I got to explain it to you. A few weeks ago, I told you, Desires, we had this coat rack up here, and I had all these coats, and I had this coat in the back, and this coat was in this bag, what do you call it? Lawn, uh, uh, garment bag, thank you. Um, I don't get out much. And so it was in this garment bag, and the whole purpose of it was to keep it hidden from you, and then my, my goal was at the end of the sermon, I was going to get it out, and I was going to put it on, and it was going to be the dream, and you were all going to go, ooh, and I was going to hold up the other jackets and be like, do you want this when you can have this? And you were going to be like, no, forget everything I've ever wanted, and it was just going to be this phenomenal moment. And so, um, it was, literally, it was in my notes. And so as I'm in the middle of preaching, because God is funny, in the middle of preaching, God said, don't don't show them the coat. And, I, and I'm in the middle of this thing, right? So I'm like, wait a minute, God, this ain't the time. Like, you know, you had, we were like, I was back there for like an hour praying. You could have talked to me then. And he was like, no, 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 don't, don't show them the coat. And so I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just kind of cut a U-turn. And, and if you remember, I, I didn't show you the coat. I think I made some little corny line like, we're not ready for it yet or something because I was panicking up here. I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> I, I couldn't say to you like, God told me don't do it because I'd be like, shut up. You didn't write your sermon. You know what I mean? I, I just got to figure that out. And so, so I, I didn't do anything. And then after service, people come up to me and they're like, man, that was so cool how you left us hanging and you didn't show us the coat, man. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Seven days a week, man. I'm sharp, buddy. You know what I mean? I'd be woo, killing you, bro. And so everybody was like, "That's so cool." What you know? What's what's in it? What's in it? And I'm like, I can't tell you. And they're like, "Why?" I was like, I don't know either. <laughs> but, but you can't know yet. And, and, and so so I'm like, all right, no problem. You know, we got we. I think it was week three. So I said, like, we got week four. And so week four happened, and I prepped my sermon, and there was no place in the sermon. For, for the coat. It didn't, it didn't make any sense. I would have tried to force it. And so I'm like, well, well, okay, I guess I'm not gonna, I guess I'm not gonna do it. So I didn't do it. If you remember, I didn't even bring it out. And then service was over and people were coming out and they were like, man, when are we gonna know what's in the coat? And, and I'm like, huh? And they're like, you remember the garment bag? What's, what's the coat gonna be? I'm like, oh, the coat. <sighs> and so, you know, I'm over here like sweating. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And so, uh, so, so we, you know, that, that goes over. And so now it's leading up to week five. And I'm like, all right, God, we're getting close. You better deliver something. And I go through the whole week of sermon prep. And, and there's no moment for the coat. It doesn't make sense. I'd have to force it. And I'm like, like is it going to be one of those things where people are like, I don't know. He never brought it up again. You know what I mean? And, and so, so after week five, last Sunday, people come out and they go, hey, man, when are we going to see the coat? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, like, you're it's up to you. And so the, the coat. And so we, and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, we're getting, we're getting close. We got one more week. I can't come in the middle of at the movies and be like, by the way, this is what the coat was. You know, I'd be like, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And so this week, I'm prepping, and I'm, I'm already in this mindset of, of where I'm going with this idea of being the idol. And then I'm thinking about this coat, and I'm like, God, how am I going to work this coat in? And then I had another thought. You ready? I thought, what if they're disappointed and what the code is. Because now we're three weeks anticipation. You guys have been, you literally hadn't gone to work in three weeks because you've been at home going, what's in the garment bag? <laughs> Maybe that wasn't you. So now I've got a pressure. This is what I'm going to preach about next week is the pressure to perform. But now I've got this pressure of like, what if, what if they don't like the coat? You know what I mean? Like, like what if, what if, what if I reveal it and I'm like, zoop, there it is. And some people are like, okay. And then some people are like, ah, that's eh, not as cool as I pictured it in my head. <laughs> like, have any of you, and don't, don't raise your hands, I don't want people to know how lame we all are. But have, have any of you spent the whole week at any point thought to yourself, what kind of coat's in there? Thank you, Crystal. I love you. 
She's a leader, so she's like, if I raise my hand, other people will raise their hand, and then he won't be embarrassed. <laughs> but it's where my mind, like, do you ever think, like, what if, what if, what if I go get it, and I put it on, and it doesn't impress you? What if you're like, I got better coats than that at home. That's the dream? Like, what's... And then I just felt the Lord tell me this. The coat has become a distraction. And if we're not careful, so will our dreams. And we'll be so worried on whether or not it impresses somebody or whether or not it's going to let us down or be what we thought it would be. And we get so so much focused on the dream that it becomes a distraction to God. But it's my dream. It's my dream. And I need it to really be my dream. And the more and more we focus on the idea that is our dream, everything else lacks importance. So watch this. It gets way worse. For me, not for you. Because unfortunately for me, God has to preach these sermons to me before he can ever preach them to you. So I'm going through my study this week, and I'm reading back through the life of Joseph, and I get to chapter 39, and I go, I'm going to skip this chapter, because I'm trying to get to the dream. And I know what happens in chapter 39. It begins with him in slavery, and it ends with him in prison. So I don't really need it. It's not the dream. So let me, I just went right past it. Went from 38 to 40. I was moving on. Got, got to 47, and about middle of the day, God was showing me something. He said, why, why did you skip 39? And here's the realization I came to, because I have seen the dream. Joseph gave me the picture of the dream in 37, and so I know 39 doesn't line up with the idea of the dream, so why would I waste my time reading it? So I skipped past 39. There's an interesting thing that we do. That when we have a dream, when we have an idea, it's like we get these blinders on us. And when we begin to see things, we only see what's important to the situation. We can't really focus on everything. So when I would read 39, everything else would become black. And all I would really see is the fact that Joseph was in prison or the fact that Joseph was in slavery. I wouldn't see all the other things because, listen, it's not important. Because this isn't the idea. The idea is the dream. His brothers aren't even here. So this can't be the dream. So when I read it, I read it with these blinders on and I just keep on moving. And then I realize, because of the dream, I've become distracted. So God said, go back and read 39 again. I call it fine faith. Y'all ever heard of fine faith? Like, fine. You know, y'all got kids who are like, clean your room, and they're like, fine. That's how me and God have a fine relationship. We have a lot of those moments where I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And so I go back and read 39, and I want to show you two verses that, again, it was a, it was a sweet moment for me. Verses 1 through 2 are the first ones. The captain of the guard brought him, uh, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So, they, so now he's in, he's in slavery, he's in prison. And watch these next five words. The Lord was with Joseph. So I'm not even two verses into the chapter, and I see the Lord 
is with. I'm sorry, what is happening right now? Go ahead and shoot to the, right here. So go back one more. Right, right, right there, right there, right there. Even, oh, all right, there we go. Go back there. There, okay, and here we go. We'll try it one more time. The one that said underlined with the Lord was with Joseph. So I'm not even two chapters in, and it's showing me that the Lord is with Joseph. And I keep on reading it. Now jump to Genesis 39, 20, and 21. Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, watch this, the Lord was with him. You seeing this? So Jamal, do me a favor. Come up here for a second. I want to use you for a second. Because it's important that you catch it. I tell you what, Ban, y'all go ahead and come up too. Because we're going we're gonna to do something. Ban, go ahead and come up. Yeah, don't look at me like you're crazy. Go ahead and come up. Jamal, come here. I need you. You need to do something? Okay. All right. Remember how I told you if you ever take a picture of a scene and you judge the church by the scene? Don't judge the church by the scene. Get ready. Okay. All right. So, so, so now I'm reading. And I go back to 39 and I realize that the Lord is with Joseph. So even though this isn't the dream, the Lord is with him. Right? So I'm skipping scenes where the Lord is with Joseph. So come here, Jamal. You ready? Come here. So this is the dream. You're going to be the Lord. Okay? You're the Lord. This has been your dream come true. You're the Lord. <laughs> this is the dream. The Lord is with us in our dream. Right? Right? If your dream is from God, then when you think about your dream, the Lord is with you. I hope. The Lord is with you in your dream. But according to 39, come here. According to 39, when Joseph's in slavery, the Lord is with him. Right? And then... When the Lord is in prison, I'm sorry, when Joseph is in prison, the Lord is with him. So every one of these scenes, the Lord is with Joseph. Not just the dream. In prison and in slavery. And so I'm reading this and I'm reading this through and I'm like, God, what are you trying to show me? He goes, listen to me. He said, in every scene, I'm with Joseph. Which means whatever scene you're reading is the dream. Are you catching this? This is the dream. Why? Because it's the idea I had. No, 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 no. That's never supposed to be the dream. The dream is the fact that the Lord is with you. And so will he be with you in the idea and the vision that he gave you? Yes. But he's also going to be with you in the prison. And he's also going to be with you in slavery. And every scene that God is with you in, it's the dream because he's with you and here's the moment of the revelation that we have to have do we want the dream or do we want the dream giver I want the dream giver not the dream and I'm learning that if I want the dream giver then when I'm pregnant I'm in the dream When I can't get pregnant, I'm in the dream. Why? Because the Lord is with me. Listen, those of you that have kids, you've got a dream for their future. Man, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Listen to me, when you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning because they're teething, that's the dream. Because the Lord is with you. When, when, When your dream is to do a particular career, but you're in a job right now that doesn't look like your dream job, the Lord is with you. 
So it's your dream. And it's you and I understanding not to let the dream become a distraction that we miss that God's presence is in every moment. God is with you today. He'll be with you tomorrow. When you walk into work tomorrow, where you work? Tell me the name. You forgot? Savita Health. Savita Health. Jamal, when you walk into Savita Health tomorrow, here's what you're going to do. You have sliding doors or open door? Open door. I want you to swing the door open really hard. Try to break it. Swing up and walk in and go, this is the dream. And when all the people look at you like you're crazy, and they go, why is this the dream? Say, because the Lord is with me. When you go home tonight and you're going through all the things you have to do tomorrow, and you're trying to get the kids in bed, and they will not be quiet, and they keep fighting you and crying and acting a fool, and all you want them to do is to go to bed and be quiet so you can go to bed, stop for a second and go, this is the dream. Why? Because the Lord is with you. It becomes a perspective thing. There's more to the dream, yes. And there's seasons coming where the idea and the picture you have will come full force. But don't allow your idea to distract you from the right now. That God is moving, that he is here, that he is faithful, that he's everything you've ever wanted and he's everything you've ever needed that he is the way maker and he's the promise keeper, that he's the healer, he's the counselor, he's dad, he's help in time of need, he's the lily in the valley and he's the sweet rose of Sharon. He's everything you could ever imagine and everything you could ever want. And he's right here, right now. I feel this prophetically in my heart. I'm trying to think how to word it correctly. You know why it's the dream? Because God being with you, it's his dream. We talked last week about what it would cost you. It cost him Christ. And while we find ourselves in moments and seasons and we're frustrated because it's not the dream, God's smiling going, it's my dream because I'm with you in it. It was never about that. That just got you moving. That just got you leaning on me. That just got you looking to me. And now that you're with me and we're together, yeah, that's going to come in time. Don't worry. But this is dream. Would you stand with me? I want to pray. I want to pray that for every one of us, we would never desire the dream over the dream giver. He's not going to show us what's in there. Nope. Because I don't want it to distract you. Here's the cool part. It doesn't matter what's in there. The Bible says that God orders the steps of the righteous, which means that your dream's going to happen. 
It's going to happen because God is faithful. If I think he would tell us anything, it would be to quit worrying about the destination. And start looking for him in every moment. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't know it, he's working. Even when I don't see him, he's there. Even when it's not my dream, I'm with him. Is there anything better than that? No. So I pray for your dream, and I pray you get it. I pray that you overcome dream killers. I pray that whatever God or whatever the enemy sends to block it, God uses to build it. And I pray that you give up your desires, and I pray that you'll give up the cost, and I pray it all. But more than anything, church, I pray that in the process of the dream, we stop and go, this is the dream. Because God is with us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. But more than anything, I thank you for your presence. I skipped over 39. And 39 is the best chapter. Because I believe you were with him more than ever when he was in prison. And so I pray for every person in this building. God, I know you put desires on their heart. We, we direct this church to be a church that calls out of people their purpose and their dream. And I believe that's the mantle on our church. But God, in the process, don't let us get distracted. Don't let us miss out on the fact that you are here. And God, you're moving. It feels like it's been a theme today to just stop everything and focus for a minute on Jesus. And that's what I want to ask you to do for just a few seconds. I don't know who you are or what your situation is. I don't know if you've just found yourself in a hard time and your faith is beginning to fade away a little bit or maybe you've never stepped foot in a church and you don't know who Jesus is but there's something tugging at your heart right now that would tell you I need Jesus for every person that's ever ran away what a day to return for anyone here who's never accepted Christ as your savior let today be the day let this opportunity be the opportunity right now just in your own words just say Father I know I'm a sinner but your word says that if I will acknowledge it and believe that you've saved me of my sins that you will come into my heart that you will lead me and guide me direct me let that be you today for every person that's been wrestling with your dream wrestling with your purpose but more wrestling with your present and how where you are does it look like where you want to be just be thankful that he's here be, th be thankful that he's always with you and begin to pray and ask God would you change my desires away from my dream 
and more to the dream giver.